0: This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Joe Navarro. Thank you for joining me in the trenches.
1: It's good to be here. <laughs>
0: I say the trenches because it feels like we're in a war, doesn't it?
1: Uh, well, I. It, yeah I think uh what what do they say all of lo- all of uh, the last uh, 6000 years we've only had uh, 300 years without uh, conflict so uh, uh maybe the uh, maybe that is what it it, it feels like yeah
0: <laughs> Well there's no conflict here I can tell you that much especially because if you don't mind I have a scotch
1: Good i have water (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i'll feed my cells and uh and (laughs) and you can degrade (laughs) yourselves,
0: but ever so slightly
1: (laughs) ever incrementally you know it's like over 70 years come on how much damage can we possibly
0: do (laughs) we we need our vices
1: well you know interestingly enough I, I i studied anthropology for a while and one one of the things you you find in every culture um is they were fermenting alcohol <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like uh, eight thousand years ago they figured out if you let it sit long enough it'll 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 the sugars will turn to alcohol and they liked it uh it it's funny uh, how many cultures um uh, that was one of the the things that they enjoyed um they either enjoy uh, it's interesting they either enjoyed a little bit of alcohol or um uh, something uh, uh like they have in, in Mesoamerica, where they chew the the leaves uh, the cocoa leaves or in ethiopia where they had the coffee beans just to get the uh the energy boost of um uh, um uh, is it safe to say that? That the world has uh, has been somehow addicted one way or the other. Uh, I, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> normal wasn't good enough. <laughs> you know, it's like spice it
0: up. You you were born in Cuba. How did you end up in the FBI? Well, that's. Uh,
1: you know, it, it it's not a story that quickly follows. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> shouldn't you be a Amer- American citizen to be in the FBI? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, speaking of trenches, uh, when Fidel Castro uh, took over Cuba, um, he had actually been a uh, at the University of Havana. My dad had been there at the same time, and he knew Fidel Castro, and uh, and he knew what a what a person he was and um and uh, as soon as we had our first chance to um because we could see what was happening i mean properties were being seized uh people were being shot uh, and um and so you know we we fled and uh, so it came to uh to miami um, and uh came as refugees uh, hoping that this wouldn't last very lo- uh, long. Um, and then of course, uh, it just went on and on. And, um, and eventually, you know, um, uh, I went to school and, um, somewhere on, around my 22nd year, um, two guys knock on my door and, uh, uh, literally handed me a manila envelope. I wish I'd kept it and said, we'd like for you to join the FBI. And, uh, that was it. So I went from, from being born in Cuba, not speaking um, English, to uh, the, learning the language, learning uh, all the things I needed to learn here in the States, and then, um, and then get, uh, coming into the FBI.
0: And then you led SWAT teams and caught spies by, by using well, <laughs> body language techniques.
1: Well, the, you know, the the bureau's unique in that uh, you know first you're an agent, and um, so I was working uh, in Arizona uh, on uh, Indian reservations where the FBI is the sort of the law of the land when when it comes to felonies, and um, and then I started uh, getting involved with uh, in counterintelligence work, and I had been studying on my own body language. Um, you know, it was the the lingua franca that I really relied on uh, as a as a foreigner. And I, what I quickly realized that in the bureau, unlike you see on television, most of your work is observation. And in fact, the, the whoever the best observer is 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 going to have the most success in the bureau. And um, and so I I got to practice it. You know, because obviously uh, when you work counterintelligence, you're you're a spy catcher. You know, you can't you can't go up to a foreign intelligence officer and say, excuse me, are you up to no good? Um, You you kind of have to figure out uh, who's here. What are they up to? What are they doing? And uh, and then figuring out how do we um, how do we either kick them out or arrest them um, or turn them? uh, to work for us. And, and all that, um, is really about body language.
0: So why is it so important? Why is nonverbal communication so important?
1: Good, good question. I I think because we, uh, first of all, most of us think that words are important, but when you think about uh, when a baby is born, it's all about nonverbals. Uh, when we think about security, when, it, when I go to a money ATM machine to, to get money out and I'm looking over my shoulder, you know, I, I don't say to ask the people behind me, are you going to rob me? I'm assessing. And, uh, and certainly courtship. But um, even something so simple as you and I talking, and you uh, trying to get information from me, something as simple as turn yielding. When is it my turn to, to talk? When is it your turn to talk? Do I look like I'm finished? And so it's all about nonverbals. And, um, you know, nobody knows the number. I mean, I've, I've seen silly numbers where somebody says, oh, it's, a, you know, it's 65% or it's 75 that's, that's nonsense. Nobody knows because it's fluid. If you're on a date and, and it's only 65% nonverbal, you're not doing very well on that date. Um, you know, if, if you're on a date and it's 100% nonverbals, congratulations, you're doing very well. Um, and, so, and so you realize, uh, you know, this is an important aspect of our life. And uh, and how we convey ourselves, what we communicate, how we communicate, Mm. how we establish trust and um, and boundaries um, is is really uh, uh, nonverbals. I mean, I (laughs) people ask me boundaries. You should have had my father. He'd look at me. He never raised his voice. He would just look at me and, Mm. and it was like, knock it off. Don't do that. And he fixed those boundaries with a look. He didn't have to say one word. You just, you just, uh, you just knew, and that's the, the, you know, that's the power of nonverbals. I, I tell the story of, uh, you know, when Captain Cook arrived in the Pacific Islands, and um, uh, because of the atoll uh, there, they had to uh, anchor the ships quite a bit out. But he takes out his, uh, his telescope. He's over a mile out, and just from the body language of the people on shore, he figured out who the queen was. Now think about that. Think about the, universe, the universality of nonverbals that over a mile out, you can figure out just by the attendance, the posture, the clothing, the entourage, the deference that was paid nonverbally, and it was no different than in the in the um the court of saint james queen isabella's court it didn't matter you 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 always see the same uh, the same behavior
0: it's funny actually because i've never considered uh body language to be sort of our primal language and perhaps verbal being secondary it's, it's actually so obvious when you, when you mention it, um, it's, it's the, well, yeah, it's the official way we communicate.
1: Well, it's, it's the longest way we've communicated. Uh, first of all, it's the it's the fastest way we communicate. It's, uh, it, it reaches us at the speed of light where sound is mm. much slower in, in reaching us. Um, but, Um, Think about all the behaviors that we had to uh, that evolved with us and uh, uh, let's go to Africa and let's go there. um, 50,000 years ago, 700,000 years ago, or even uh, uh, 300 years ago, we were surrounded by uh, large felines. The number one threat to all uh, uh, hominins, all, all humanoids, uh, humans, was always the large predators, the felines, and um, and uh, obviously the dogs and the and the hyenas. But uh, what did we have to do? We had to commute, communicate silently, but effectively. And so we develop strat- strategies. For instance, we learn not to. Um, and, and if we saw a lioness, we froze. So our freeze response that we still use have today. Uh, when when we hear a loud noise, people freeze. Um, when we somebody tells us bad news, we we freeze. This little shortcut has to do with the fact that. You know, 300,000, 500,000 years ago, whoever ran initiated the chase, trip, bite sequence of the felines. They didn't get to pass on their genes. The people that froze covered their mouths, covered their necks. They got to pass on their genes. So we, from an evolutionary standpoint... We adopted these behaviors, it's in our DNA. We know it's in our DNA because when we study children who are born blind, they do the same thing and they've never seen it. And so to this day, um, we, we still carry these these things with us. And so we primarily communicated um, uh, non-verbally, and and uh, when I was in uh, Brazil back in the 90s, and uh, I went deep in, in, into the Amazon, I was studying nonverbals uh, on my own um, in a cross-cultural uh, setting. One of the things I noted was that when the, um, the Brazilian uh, uh, natives, when they go into the jungle, they're completely silent. W- we Westerners make a lot of noise. These people without shoes are completely silent. You don't hear anything break under their feet. Somehow they know how to maneuver and they're constantly communicating non-verbally, constantly. They don't speak and that's how they can uh, sneak up on, um, on, on monkeys and, uh, and birds and, and other things. And it really takes you back um, you know, uh, uh, our, our species has, has been around for at least 700,000 years, and we had to communicate uh, silently. Just just look at how we were surrounded.
0: Has the era of digital communication damaged that?
1: It's cert- that's a great question, uh, Jeremy. I, it certainly has created problems. Uh, and we started seeing it, for instance, in the fbi uh, about 20, 20 years ago i I remember i was taking a new class through on on interviewing and um and this was uh this was a class on how do we interview uh you know foreign spies and so forth, which is really based on a lot of detail, a lot of conversation, a lot of getting into their pedigree and stuff like that. And, um, and I said, you know, uh, don't expect, uh, results for about four hours because, you know, people will talk about where they're from, where they went to school. And then eventually they'll talk about their relationship with an intelligence service. And I, and for the first time in my career, I had a young agent raise his hand and say, what do you talk about for four hours? And that's when it hit me they don't know how to talk they don't know how to conduct a conversation for four hours i I once sat with a spy for 12 hours i finally had to say buddy i I gotta go (laughs) you know we we can't do this all day and he said well can we do it tomorrow sure but imagine imagine a, a world where they only know how to text and they only know how to communicate in very short um, messages and you don't have to really imagine that too much uh, we're facing that and the, the problem we're seeing is you really can't show empathy with a text message in no. fact I argue that um, um, it, it's impossible to show empathy if you're not present. If, mm. if if you cannot emote what the person is uh, is is experiencing,
0: and a little emoji cons just it doesn't cut it.
1: No, the, well, interestingly enough, uh, that's a good question. The fact that we had to ad, 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 adopt them, mm. uh, but um, they're not fulfilling. I mean, uh, you put your arm around someone mm. that's uh, that's struggling. Um, I had lunch the other day with a friend of mine, and um, he's, you know, he's he's mentally struggling, and uh, I didn't have to say very much, but, but the fact that I put my arm around him um, made a big difference, and uh, those are the things that I think we're we're missing we're uh, we're associating um the technology with uh with other things and we forget that empathy trust uh loving care adoration mm-hmm. even the way we touch is uh is millions of years old and uh, and it's part of our dna
0: uh, what you're suggesting then is that the digital era of communication is to some degree uh damaging our ability to be human
1: i don't I don't know that it's damaging i I think it's changing what we have experienced um I'll give you an example that uh, we saw uh in the in the 1950s, uh, uh, for instance, uh, in, in uh, criminology, when the New York Police Department decided, you know what? Um, all the neighborhood cops used to just walk around. You had a like a three-block uh, area, and you know everybody. You know everybody's kids. You knew everybody's problems. You knew every. And they said, "Well, let's put them in a car." And they can respond faster. They can carry emergency gear and so forth. And what happened? All of a sudden now the, there's this isolation and law enforcement becomes this thing that drives by, never talks to you and just has sunglasses. Uh, what I would argue is the same thing happens with, with, with technology. It can isolate us. Uh, I mean, I look at I look at the research, and you know, people are less happy; they're they're less content. One of the things I, I notice, you know, like when you see kids in the street laughing and they're and they're playing and they're pushing each other and they're just this, this the, the the level of alacrity that you see, and then you see them when they're playing a game online and and they're playing the game. But I don't see the joy, the, 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 the joy that I see on, on the street. And I'm not saying, uh, it, it, they're just different things. I, I don't, I'm not smart enough and I don't have the research to say that one is, is better than the other. But I can say that as, as one who has studied um, evolution and, and, um, and anthropology, that culture uh, is embedded in us and uh, we carry that and when we stop doing it because something is novel or because it it gives us uh, a sort of quick fix, um, it it does have its effects but we cannot expect the same things.
0: Is there a type of communication that you can only get non-verbally?
1: Sure. Um for instance, uh your interest in 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 someone. Uh the level of interest, how they're affecting you, for instance, uh I, you know, I remember when I was about 14 or 15 and uh, sitting in a lunchroom and I had maneuvered myself strategically so I could sit next to uh, or near this uh uh this young lady, um, Regina Clifford, if you're listening, uh, it was, it was purposeful. And, uh, and I remember finally, I'm, I'm catty corner from Regina Clifford and I look over and she looked back and smiled, and I turned red. You, 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 you can't do that mechanically. You know, it's like, I finally got here and then, you know, I, I fall apart. Um those things uh, you experience nonverbally you know you're you, you don't you don't for you'll never forget your heart was racing um your you know your mouth is dry your skin flushes and um, and these physiological changes uh register so yeah
0: So is there something important about Something as mundane as shaking hands.
1: Oh, uh, great question! Every time I I, uh, I get around a group, I say, "How many of you had a bad handshake?" I've never had a meeting where everybody didn't raise their hand. I mean, you 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 have the wet one, the soft one. <laughs> the the have you ever had the probe? The probe is where they 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 literally grab your hand like this so that. Their index finger is right here. And, and it's like, what are you doing? This, this is, this is my erogenous zone. <laughs> this, this, this is what had been intended for Regina Clifford. Had she ever taken any interest in me so that we could hold hands. And there's this huge man with his finger here and he's shaking it. and, and and it's like, ew, <laughs> you know, it just feels really strange, and <laughs> and you forget your fingers should be down, the pressure should be, you know, and then you get run into these guys, and, and it seems like it's all the American football players. They just want you to know how strong they are, so they they crush your hand, and so I guess that I guess that to on, I, I'm a little impish with them because because I I'll, I'll, I'll say please I, I have arthritis and it,
0: <laughs> and then they make, it makes them feel bad <laughs> but I mean it, it it kind of makes me want to ask you then is there hmm. is there a, um, mytho- mythology around certain gestures you know the hand that's Angled upwards, or the fact that if I've got my arms crossed, I'm 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 being what's the word defensive or closed off. Mm.
1: Well, you know, so let's clear a few things. There's a lot of myths out there, right? So um, obviously, if I stand there with arms like this, it's it's more open. But the fact that you cross your arms when you're talking to somebody, and and they're doing it also we cross our arms because it's self comforting this is this is a self hug um and we do it when we feel good we do it when we're waiting for somebody we we do it when we're annoyed because it's again it's self comforting um but there's a lot of myths out there that if you do it, it it puts people off i I think it'd be hard to put somebody off if you have a smile on your face and, um, and you have a your head is tilted, canted to the side, which we tend to do when we're very comfortable. Um, and there's other myths about you know, if you look up in one direction and then in another, surely you must be lying. Well, there's no science to support that. So uh, we're, we're always dealing with that, but we're also dealing with cultural things and 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 that's important too um for instance in new york city because uh, i know you're you're coming jeremy i know you're going to come to new york city i know you want to come visit me first but new york um you know in new york by social convention you you probably don't want to look at somebody more than 1.3 seconds otherwise if you Look at somebody in the subway for more than one, and, and that's the number. That's the key number, 1.28. People will go, what are you looking at? <laughs> right? That's cultural. And yet you go to the Middle East, and it's anywhere from four to six seconds is acceptable. You go to, uh, and I've been there. I've been to Sweden and Norway and, and Denmark, and very short uh, eye very short eye contact. So culture affects uh, the the nonverbals, and and sometimes we have to learn what those are. We have to abide by them so that um, um, so that we know what to do, so we don't offend. Um, you know, there, I know there's uh, parts of Africa, for instance, that um and someone of lower status will um tender their hand to be shaken right where in america you just reach over and shake their hands but to be tender to you know that's something uh uh, special so we we have to be aware of 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 culture uh you go to uh Uh, Oceania and you go to some of the Pacific Islands, New Zealand for instance, and your greeting is going to be forehead to forehead with another person. And for a lot of people that's something, you know, it's like I never let anybody that close to me. But um, that's where culture uh, comes in.
0: You're saying that um, culturally there is uh, a significant divide in nonverbal communication, but are there, are there universal constants?
1: Uh, Great question. There are, Um, anything that really comes from, um, so we have the, the aquatic amphibian brain, they, they regulate breathing, walking, um, eating and so forth. And then we have the mammalian brain, which has the, um, Hippocampus, the amygdala, the the um, um, I, I forget. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a, a long day. But the, everything that comes from what is called the limbic system, the mammalian brain, which is reactive, is is universal. So, uh, for instance, um, any any of the emotions, uh, so a smile. Uh, is the same. Uh, The fear, um, uh, apprehension, Uh, you know, we furrow, this is called the glabella, we furrow the glabella when we don't understand, uh, when we're troubled by something, when we're suspicious, and so forth. All of these are are, uh, universal. So, uh, uh, steepling, right? So, steepling is the only behavior um, that our species uh, uses universally of confidence, if you see Angela Merkel, she does it all the time. She's an engineer by training. Um, and uh, and we see it with children who are born blind. They will steeple, even though they've never seen it. So there are certain things. Um, because of our primate past, uh, well, we're, we're all primates, but um, with all primates, the first thing that's important to us is safety. The second thing is um, hierarchy. And so in every culture uh, that, that's been studied, for instance, when I looked at uh, when uh, Bernal Diaz uh, sailed uh, to Mesoamerica and was there when uh, Montezuma was first contacted in what is now Mexico, the nonverbals he described were all the same as in Queen Isabella's court. There was, you know, obviously they didn't, they didn't have silk, they didn't have um, uh, some of the different colors. But as far as uh, the king set higher, had an entourage, you couldn't touch him, um, had, uh, you know, special clothing and, and so forth, and was treated with deference, there was no difference. Absolutely no difference. And, uh, and so we, we we know that there are uh, many behaviors that uh, that are in fact uh, universal. I'll, I'll give you a simple one, like ne- ne- neck touching, right? So when we're insecure, uh, we're yeah, worried, back. neck touch. Well, that's mm-hmm. ventilating, right? So um, yeah, if you ask somebody a question and they go, yeah, it's gonna be dumb. <laughs> if you have to ventilate to answer mm-hmm. a question, there's some issue but uh but all those uh are uh, are fairly universal. Yeah. You
0: mentioned frowning. Now I automatically the furrowing
1: thought, the the furrowing yes. of the glabella versus frowning which uh, is uh, these up up here which is Yeah.
0: What what I was going to ask though is does cosmetic augmentation say like botox does that have a negative effect on on this nonverbal communication?
1: Uh well asked Jeremy. Um, Absolutely. In fact, we started seeing in in the clinical
0: literature,
1: uh, probably 20, the first article I I think I I saw, I was still in the Bureau, so at least 25 years ago, when Botoxing became really popular, what happened was because you couldn't see this anymore, uh, both children and spouses had a difficult time reading uh either the parent or or the spouse it's like are you happy or not <laughs> you know it's like I, I i i can no longer tell after that and that's been well studied uh about our our inability to to clearly uh read each other when we can't see the um, the the, um, the furrows but the other thing that happened was that um, we couldn't be as empathetic because we could no longer uh, uh, do the behavior. And so, you know, like if you step on a nail and you go, ouch, and we go, out, right? That, that sympathetic echoing, the, uh, the echoing of behaviors, because you can't do it, um, affects your ability to uh, to empathize, and that's also in the in the literature.
0: Speaking of body language, uh, you can I have t- some water? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you told this uh, story once. Hmm. I can't remember where I heard you saying it, but you're talking about how you 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 picked up on somebody pretending to be an American. He came out of a flower shop. What is that story? Oh.
1: Yeah, you know the um, this is a real uh, you know there's there's a show on television here called The Americans and I, I've actually never seen it. They say it's uh, it's it's pretty good, but intelligence services use what are called um, illegals, and we call them illegals because um, they um, they're not here as part of a diplomatic group. Um, what they do is. They learn English by being stationed, uh, going to universities, and so forth. And then they go to a a second country, and they obtain um, documentation illegally. Then they enter the United States and pretend to be Americans. And the reason that uh, nation states do this is because in case of hostilities, you always want to have these illegals, these uh, uh, moles, let's call them, that can act as your eyes and ears and support. They can do sabotage. They can identify troop movements. They can set up communications. They can do all sorts of things in case everything else gets shut down. So they're they're there in case of hostilities and we had received information that um this uh, one individual had um uh, gone from i think the united, from um uh, uh, east germany to australia to then canada and by then i mean this was a 10 year uh, process by the time he's in the united states he speaks english perfectly and um and his documentation is is really good, but we have a we have an intelligence source who's telling us that uh, look for this guy, and he gives us a description and so forth. So he comes under investigation, but obviously, if if we go and talk to him, he's going to have paper, uh, perfect paperwork, uh, nothing really. They they don't when they're here, they don't do any spying. That's not their job. Their job is in case the world turns bad and then uh, they're in place. And um, so we were, everybody was hesitant to talk to him. And um, we had him um, under surveillance for a few weeks to see who he met with. It was nothing unusual. But one of the surveillance, and, and this is back when we used 35 millimeter film this wasn't even video that's that's a uh, old uh, this was um he he just happens to be filmed coming out of a flower shop like you said and it was um valentine's day and he's as he's coming out of the flower shop um he he grabs the flowers and uh, and he's carrying them behind him bouquet down now i had traveled uh throughout the world and and i had seen this uh for instance in in budapest hungary and uh and in romania and uh and in parts of uh of, of east germany and uh, and i said he's he's carrying the flowers like a eastern european he's not carrying like an american carries their flowers bouquet up and they carry them in front we don't even put them onto the side we we tend to and um, so the 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 agent that had the case said, well, you know, Joe, since you know this stuff and, you know, why don't you uh, why don't you do the interview? And usually I don't like to get in the way of other investigators, but, I, you know, they prevailed. And anyway, so I I made an arrangement to meet him and I did what's called a presumptive. <clears throat> and a, a presumptive is very uh, simple. I'm not going to sit there and debate, are you or aren't you? Um, so I set him down. I identified myself. And uh, I said, I, I know you're dying to know why I'm here. And uh, and he's kind of like, yeah, sort of, maybe not. And I said, do you want to know how I know? <laughs> and he just looked at me. And, you know, he, he did the eyelid flutter. So I, I know that's already troubling him and uh and i said uh, i'm prepared to tell you i'm prepared to tell you how i know don't you want to know how i know and uh i'm sure he was thinking okay a defector or somebody and i and i said it was how you carried the flowers (laughs) and he just looked at me and he had this look like he was running the film backwards and he's running through everything he's ever done. And he's God, I did this right. I did that right. I did this right. I did that right. But I didn't carry the flowers right. And uh, and then he confessed. And then he uh, he agreed to uh, to uh, to help us. What was interesting about him is he led us to a site that we never imagined, where he had buried some uh, uh, both uh, communication equipment and um, and some explosives. So yeah, it was it was good. It was fun. <laughs>
0: A lot of your skills in body language is a weighing act. It's a balancing act between assessing and judging. At what point do you do something with that information?
1: Yeah. I try not to do too much judging because it's really... You have to see the, a, a human as a transmitter, right? Your mother didn't dress you, mm. right? You choose to... uh Wear your hair that way, have the beard, have the watch band that you have, the T-shirt, whatever. These are choices that you make. You're transmitting information about yourself. And so the question is, what inferences can I draw from that? And so it's about drawing inferences from what's in front of me. It's not about judge. I, I tend to look at judgments as, is this good or bad? I don't care. I just I I just look at it and say, what does that say? Does that watch say that this guy likes to get out and and be outdoors? And uh, you know, looking like a corporate guy doesn't doesn't matter to him. Um, so I look I I am constantly assessing people. Obviously, you know, when you first meet them, you get quite a bit, but then it's about you know, are they comfortable or uncomfortable? Are they enjoying themselves? Is this interesting for them? Am I losing them? Um, it's it's that, uh, that kind of thing. So it's really, uh, it's heavily weighed in the assessment area. I mean, it's it's rare and it happens, but you run into, and I'm sure you have, where you run into someone and everything they've done, you just decide, oh my gosh, this, this person's a jerk. <laughs> now there's a judgment. Uh, it's like I, you know, I, I don't, I don't have time for this, and you mm-hmm. just walk away. That's more of a judgment uh, uh, thing, but assessment. I, I think that's predominantly where where uh, I'm at, and and certainly what I've been teaching over the years.
0: How truthful is body language? Oh.
1: That's Man, you ask really good questions, Jeremy. Well, I can tell you this. You should not, must not use body language to determine deception because humans are terrible at it. We're only as good as a coin toss, Um, 50-50. Nonverbals can be very revealing as far as when there's some degree of psychological discomfort if somebody's troubled by something bothered by something um if there's emotional issues um it it can be very very uh uh accurate i I remember i I remember the writings of uh, lewis and clark this is in the 1770s and uh, they were commissioned by jefferson to uh, visit the west and um and they they came upon many of the native americans and they said uh these these people they're amazing they 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 carry their babies on their back on their body um uh, all day long but th- they don't have diapers and they're not soiled and um a, a native american mother said to him what kind of mother would i be if i couldn't read my body in my the the movements of my child and mm-hmm. uh and so therein is is the nonverbals, the authenticity of uh, uh of it and it, it, i think you sometimes you see it with couples who have been together for so long they don't need to talk they mm-hmm. see the same thing they look at each other mm-hmm and you know they, they're uh, they're communicating uh, uh, quite exquisitely.
0: An extension to that question, though, is if you look at a, a politician on TV, I'm guessing it's fairly easy to to gauge how good or bad his acting is. But what about what about a professional poker player whose job it is to deceive you with uh, dead yeah. deadpan stonewalling?
1: Well, let me address two things in there because I, I think there's two good, uh, things that you've mentioned. You know, we, we always assume that politicians get training in body language. My experience is that rarely do they get training in, in body language. I know because when they finally reach out to me, um, uh, it, it's like 10 to 15 years too late in their career. Um, the, uh, You know, they should have started out a lot earlier so that they get their, their, the, the count, the, um, uh, their speech pattern down. So their gestures are smooth and broad and, and, and so forth. Um, and I think politicians are like actors. Some are very good, um, in how they present and some are, um, they, they need a lot of work, um, but when it comes to uh, uh, a poker player, um, you have to ask yourself, well, who, you know, how many Marlon Brando's are there? There's very few really great actors that can hide all of their body. I, I often say that, in, especially in poker, that you can have a poker face, you can hide your, but you can't really hide everything. You have no control over your pupils. You have no control over your, your, the, the, the veins that you see throbbing, the temple. Uh, how many times I've seen somebody uh, has uh, what we call the, the nuts uh, has a great hand, and their, their feet are bouncing up and down. They have happy feet, and their clothing is shaking. You say this guy is sitting on a monster hand and and you know he's giving all this stuff away. I think it's very hard. Um the biggest issue, I, I just had this conversation not too long ago with a, a good friend of mine who who is a professional poker player. He he said the biggest distraction now is that you have so many people with so money to to spend that they go in, um, you know, they're on their phone. They're looking at uh, the, the basketball game. Their girlfriend is talking to them in their ear. And uh, they barely pay attention to the game. They're just throwing money into it. And so the the nonverbals are, um, are, are masked or become uh, superfluous. I think in the main, the main event, and I've been there, um, um, it, it, you're, you're talking about a lot of nonverbals. Um, I, th- I think, um, there was a poker player I spoke with, um, many years ago and he was saying, you know, it's, it's an, it's, I forget how many days it's uh, like 11 days and you play, uh 10, 12 hours a day and uh, there's eight people at the table and we sat down and did the math and you had to, to win. You had to make over a hundred thousand observations. Think about that. If you just do the math of, you know, every time you go around, every time another card is laid out, you have over a hundred thousand observations that you've got to get right. And uh, that's tough.
0: Do men and women communicate differently non-verbally?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, sure, sure, they do. Um, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you a, a couple examples. Um, uh, for, for instance, uh, some simple ones. So men tend to grab their neck more. Women tend to just cover or point to the, this little area right here called the super notch. So they'll go, oh, my God, where guys will go, oh, my God right so we grab each other testosterone does that uh when men ventilate we we tend to do this women tend to ventilate back here and move the hair out of the way um women uh for instance will will um will show more of the inside of the wrist when they like you right so in the old days when they smoked they would hold a cigarette like this And if they liked you, they would they would show you the inside of uh, of, of the wrist, uh, and if they don't, um, they show you the back. Uh, men don't do that uh, as uh, as much. Um, so th- there's definitely differences, but the differences I think are based on um, chemistry. Um, mm. Uh, Not emotion per se, but just uh, the chemistry of testosterone.
0: I mean, something that I was just thinking about now while you were speaking is if I hang out with some of my buddies, Hmm. my wife will will wonder why we're hitting each other. And I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) That's nonverbal communication. But now, Joe, I don't know why. Please please explain to me, why why do I hit my, my friends? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, 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 and a lot. I, it's always amazing to me. You know, when I was uh, playing football in the 60s, uh, the, the, uh, men didn't hug back then. Men hug now all the, all the time. But coming back to the huddle, you'd come back to the football huddle and they'd all pat you in, in, in the butt. If, if you did that anywhere but in a football scrum, you know they'd be looking at you like why are you doing that? Um, we, we, we hit each other, we push each other. we when I'm around my cousins, I'll be sitting on a couch and both of them, these are guys in their 50s will jump on me. <laughs> you know why is that? Because anytime we're touched, it releases oxytocin. It uh, there's a cascade of other chemicals, in, including serotonin, which is released uh, when when there's uh, when there's touch. So we, we like it. We enjoy it. Um, you know, I always like it when somebody comes up and puts their arm around me. And uh,
0: and uh, yeah. So, do emotions interfere with with uh, nonverbal communication?
1: Um, that's, that's a good one. They can. Uh, uh, for instance, if, if you are experiencing a high degree of, uh, anxiety or stress, it can restrict your movements. Um, it can, um, yeah, that, uh, in, 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 in one of my books, I think it was in the book, uh, what everybody is saying. I talk about um the little girl, yeah, at the YMCA who um was very playful and uh, and jovial, but as soon as her mother would come to the to the pool to pick her up, her arms would uh would drop down to her side and she would become very stoic. And eventually I I had to report her mother because I caught her mother pinching her really hard one time, and I thought that was I'm seeing the telltale signs of abuse a, a child mm-hmm. that goes immobile around their their mother, and uh, yeah, so definitely emotions can affect uh, nonverbals. Just look at people um uh you know they finally opened up the airports here to foreign travel and uh, the joyous reunions, people jumping up and down
0: um yeah, absolutely. What about something like mass surveillance? Now, if I know that mm-hmm. if I walk into a shop, I know that there are cameras constantly on me. Right. Is there something about that that's going to alter the way in which I uh, project myself?
1: Well, that's a good question. You know, there. I mean, you go into a lot of facilities and you see the little dark bubbles and you, you know there's cameras there um but then if if you if i guess it depends on where you're at here there's nobody manning this stuff they're basically recording stuff in case there's a mass casualty or something and then somebody gets sued they want to be able it's not like the old days where every store had a store detective and some stores had three or four detectives um uh, you know, a, a, a lot of uh, uh, waste and uh, disappearing um, uh, of, of the merchandise is just factored into, uh, in, into the cost. But I, more directly, I think uh, any anytime you intrusively observe, just as in physics, right? the Heisenberg principle, if you intrusively observe it affects the experiment. I think any time, you are intrusively observing that it has the potential, if the person is aware of it, if they if they're mindful of it. Um, for instance, when I when I clear uh, when I go to the airport, and as soon as I grab my luggage, and I see the 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 customs people there, you know, I, I feel self-conscious. It's it's like. Uh, Okay, I'm bringing back four bars of chocolate from Switzerland, and still the fact that people are looking at me uh, makes me feel un- uncomfortable. So I, I yeah, I, I think you can you can extend that to yeah. I think you could be made paranoid enough to mm. where if you if you saw a lot of of cameras that you would feel um, uh, inhibited. Um, I think most people. I think just ignore it. Uh, I don't see my like when I walk around the neighborhood I don't see my behavior changing and everybody around here has a ring camera in front of their house. Mm.
0: We've got a few minutes left. Um and I'm going to I'm going to ask you something that I promised myself I wasn't going to ask you but for the hell of it um I'm going to make myself vulnerable and and ask you to tell me what did you assess about me throughout this conversation? <laughs>
1: um well the, uh, I I'll I'll tell you the the one thing the one of the best features that you have is you have a great smile. Um thank you but you don't you but you don't use it enough. And obviously you got a you got a great voice. And I was thinking, um what if he used that more um there you go like you like you are right now because you you certainly would bridge uh, there would be a, a greater bridge between very serious questions and you know sometimes we have to make fun of life because we mm. just you know sometimes unless you put on a stupid hat you can't understand why people do the the the, the things that they uh, th- they do, uh, but uh, yeah, that was my assessment. Is uh, use that smile like a tool. That was it. <laughs> that, that was well, that's. That, if you're ex- if you're expecting some high order cognition, cognitive process that you know reveals. <laughs> 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 no, no, sorry, it, wrong it, mate.
0: It got hot in here quite quickly. I'm so glad that's done with. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. um, you know i i've got other questions um but i i suppose i have to kind of ask you about the elephant in the room and
1: mm-hmm.
0: what has this covid pandemic mm-hmm. situation over the last two years done to body language the way in which people uh, communicate non-verbally to one another. I think Zoom meetings have increased rapidly. You know, this kind of communication that you and I are doing right now has dramatically um, increased.
1: Yeah, I. Well, it, you ask a profound question, uh, and and actually, it's it's one I address in my last book, uh, which is called uh, "Be Exceptional." and And it, it was written. Right when COVID started and I was able to incorporate some things in it. And and the things that we learned were that all of a sudden people, you know, three years ago, if if I saw somebody walk into a bank like this, I'd be hitting the alarm. I'd be calling 911, Mm -hmm. get the police over here. Now, if you walk into a bank without a mask on. Um, they, they won't let you in. It, 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 it certainly has changed a lot of our perceptions. I'll give you an example. For instance, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in, in cartoons, well, you, you're a cartoonist. In, in cartoons, um, the, the bad guy always covered their mouth and the good guys always covered their, their eyes. Zorro, the Lone Ranger, Batman. Um, and, and so it, it, there's been a juxtaposition of what we associate with goodness and badness just, just, just on, on that. So that was the first thing that, that jumped out at me because I've been studying this for a long time. But the second thing was the panic on the part of a lot of people who said, I can't read, I can't read the people because they have a mask on. And I said, what do you mean you can't read them? this only covers, this only covers 7% of your body. Are you kidding? What about their blink rate? What about their arching eyebrows? What about their shoulders? What about, you know, the flushing of the skin? What about how they, you know, the other stuff? And it was a realization that all of a sudden, oh my gosh, uh, body language uh, is out there and it's important but we've always been focused on this little area of the face and uh, so i think that was the the biggest the other thing i i noticed and it's more of it in the um communications quasi political area is uh, the absolute failure of uh, of authorities of scientists to communicate effectively they 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 took people who were either scientists or had no business, because they're politicians and what do they know, talking about something um, that really needed to be communicated effectively. And I think a lot of people failed in that area to just communicate effectively. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's been my assessment of it.
0: In front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see?
1: well it's uh tomorrow's garbage day and uh so i you know buddy you know in my neighborhood keep in mind right so i've I've written 14 books i i lecture all over the world all all these accolades i have the number one body language book in the world what do them my neighbors know when i i walk a dog uh, a neighbor's dog all the time. It, you, it, what's the crystal ball? I know that later today someone's going to stop me, roll down their window. I don't know them. And they're going to say, how much do you charge? <laughs> 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 Wait. <laughs> I'm the guy that talks to Jeremy now. I'm, I'm at the pinnacle of life. And they want to know how much do you charge? Because <laughs> they don't—they don't know me from Adam. They don't, you know. I, <laughs> you know, wow. they, not, it's not like I walk around. Did you know I had the number one for for almost twenty years?
0: <laughs> Where can people? So
1: when you when you Sorry. say when you say well, the, the the crystal the crystal ball is. You know, history is replete with people who got the crystal ball wrong. I remember reading in Popular Mechanics in 1965. I remember exactly the year and almost the month when they said in the future there will be flying cars. I'm Mm. still waiting. Didn't you find it interesting that, that nobody imagined the iPhone? i don't remember reading anybody imagining the iphone and certainly none of the clairvoyants out there you know the people that you go to see that do have the crystal ball i don't remember any of them saying yeah 2008 and we're all gonna have an iphone you know it's like maybe the planets didn't align but
0: um i remember when the ceo of blackberry said uh uh, a phone that doesn't have any physical buttons—that's never gonna last. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, there, there's another one for the trash heap of uh, uh, of crystal balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, uh, I I remember the president of Harvard uh, right around the uh, the time of World War Two. And they had just created what's called the GI Bill, that everybody who served would be uh, allowed to go to college uh, and get a college education. And and at that time, I think only about one percent of Americans uh, prior to World War II actually went to college. And 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 he said, "Of what utility would that serve? That <laughs> everybody go to college?" <laughs>
0: Where can people find more about you?
1: Well, <laughs> just drive down my neighborhood at five fifty five and they can run into me and ask me about the books or uh they're welcome to um uh I you know, I write articles for psychology today. I hang out with great guys like you. And uh, my my website you can come to uh, Joe navarro.net and uh, and everything's in there. All the um, the, um, the TEDx talks, the the books. Uh, I've been very fortunate with those and uh, the wired videos um, I've been lucky with with those also so yeah. Uh, come hang out with the dog walker. <laughs> oh, and Spy Catcher. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Joe Navarro, thank you for joining me in the trenches.
1: Uh, there's that smile. You take care, Jeremy.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this
1: podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.